This is the Rubin Report direct message for March 31st, the last day of March in the year of 2021. And we have a tremendous show for you. Uh, before I do anything else, don't forget to subscribe, click that notification bell. And I just wanna welcome you. You know, the show's been doing really well. We're getting really good numbers. New people are coming. Every now and again, I start the show by saying, oh, welcome conspiracy theorists or Nazis or things of that nature. Of course, all of you are not those things. That would be insane. That would be almost mathematically impossible. Um, I know you're good people. You're good, decent people who pick up the New York Times in the morning and read it as gospel, who watch CNN for true information, who obey the government at all turns. Those are the type of good citizens you are. You get pricked when they tell you to get pricked. You stay home when they tell you to stay home. You wear a mask when they tell you to wear a mask because you are a good, not only American, because I know we have an international audience, you're a good citizen of the world. When your leaders, the people above you who are better than you, when they tell you to do something, you do it. And that's why. I'm happy to have you here at the Rubin Report. Just kidding, people, that was all nonsense. Um, you're independent thinkers. That's why I like you, that's why I do the show. Uh, all right, we got four stories for you, but a bonus fifth one, which I'm gonna do in under 30 seconds because this story was just so idiotic. I just saw this on Twitter, and it's just such a perfect, 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 perfect example of how dishonest the media is. Uh, so a guy by the name of Eddie Zipperer, who uh, works over at townhall.com, he, posted these two images side by side on the Twitter machine this morning, and he's talking about the New York Times coverage of Trump's $200 billion bill over 10 years, an infrastructure bill, versus Biden's $2 trillion over eight-year infrastructure plan. Okay, just to be very clear, let me repeat that. But Trump's plan was $200 billion over 10 years for infrastructure. Biden's is $2 trillion, trillions more than billion, over eight years, that's less years. The first one I'm gonna read here, the first tweet, this is what they said about Trump's when Trump was trying to do it. Coming up with the 200 billion in federal funding will not be easy. Republicans have already ballooned the deficit in last week's spending agreement and with their tax cuts, Democrats are unlikely to go along with cuts that would offset the cost of Mr. Trump's plan. Okay, so when it's a Republican trying to spend 200 billion over 10 years, that's tough, that's tough. That doesn't sound like we can do it. We, how are we gonna do that? We can't do that, we don't have the money for that. Now their coverage of Joe Biden's $2 trillion plan in less time but even spread over years, the scale of the proposal underscores how fully Mr. Biden has embraced the opportunity to use federal spending to address longstanding social and economic challenges in a way not seen in half a century. All right, that's it, that's it. Do I even have to add anything else to this one? The New York Times is not a newspaper. If you have a bird, I would not use the newspaper as the place for the bird to poop. I, that's what you put at the bottom of a bird cage, I suppose. Find something better. It's not even worthy of your parrot's poop. Now, before we get to the four, oh, I'll tell you the four stories. Why don't I do that? Uh, first off, this video is going viral. AOC, that clown uh, on Instagram, she just put up this video about immigration and it's just, it's just endless drivel. And I debated whether even to do it, because even listening to her voice, I start getting a searing pain in my brain, but all right, we're gonna do that one for you. 
then this one I'm really interested in, and I think you guys are gonna dig it. Uh, you know, Texas opened up about 18, 19 days ago, uh, and a guy by the name of Drew Holden, who I've given a shout out to on the show once or twice before, he does great Twitter threads. Really, wor- if you're on Twitter, I don't recommend anyone be on Twitter, but if you're on Twitter, the guy's worth a follow. Uh, he did this spectacular thread that we're gonna show you of all of the doomsdayers, all of the people that 18 days ago, including the president of the United States, the governor of this banana state that I live in and many more, uh, saying that Texas was gonna turn into a zombie apocalypse and this was a disaster and everything else. Meanwhile, Texas's numbers are just completely flattening. Like they're, they're just, their numbers are lowering and lowering and lowering, flattening to the point of flat. It's just gonna be gone and that'll be it. Uh, so I thought we'd call out all of the people who got everything wrong. I thought that would be nice. Then there's a really spectacular story that you are absolutely not gonna see on CNN or New York Times or anywhere else, but it's really, really important. A professor in New Jersey, a white professor in New Jersey is suing the university that he works at because he was passed over for a promotion because he got passed over for two guys who happened to be black. And he's got some evidence that would say he should have got the promotion. And it's believed, at least the lawsuit alleges, that this has something to do with the color of his skin. Some might call this reverse uh, racism. I just call it racism. We'll dive into that. And then finally, I almost killed someone last night. Um, I was having a glass of wine. I was actually having a very nice night. I had a very fruitful day, a lot of good things happening. I was finishing up the day with a glass of wine and I was sitting outside, Clyde, who is over here, he was right by me. We were just having a nice night. And uh, then I got an email from uh, the city of Los Angeles. Uh, Technically it was from the city of West Hollywood, which is where I used to live. So I, I guess I'm still on some email list there. They put us in the orange tier and they announced what the rules are. And I started reading the rules and I almost choked the dog. And now I know Peter's gonna come after me, but I, was, I started to actually crack because the rules are so ridiculous and so arbitrary and so made up. And all we would have to do is stop paying attention to these people and go about living our lives and then that would be it. They only have power over us because we keep granting it to them. Anyway, I'm gonna read a whole bunch of these nonsensical rules. So four stories for you, I'm feeling good. I hope you are, strap in. And before we do anything else, I wanna talk to you about Ancestry.com, guys. Did your great-grandmother work hard to raise her children and keep her family together? That's old school. Did your family preserve, persevere through natural disasters or and rebuild or start anew? Was there a healthcare worker in your family's past who cared for another generation facing a pandemic? Our ancestors were ordinary people who lived through extraordinary situations, something we can all understand today. Challenging times are nothing new and neither are resilient people. Learning about the struggles and adversity your family went through can bring you closer to your own family today as you share your stories and form new bonds. Ancestry helps you search billions of records to learn more about the ancestors who came through remarkable challenges so you could be here today. And this place is pretty good. You can find details about their lives, see what they did to earn a living in census records, or see their actual signature on a military record as they signed up to fight for our country. Learning their stories helps you find a connection to what they went through and how they stood strong through hardships and struggles. When you get closer to your ancestors by learning their stories, you have a new way to get closer to your family. There's strength in every family story. Learn more about yours at Ancestry. Head to my URL at Ancestry.com slash Ruben to start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. All right. So we've talked a little bit about kids in cages. We showed you some video the other day. Uh, Ted Cruz went to the border facility and tried to videotape these jam-packed, 
absolutely jam-packed. Somebody said they're at over a thousand percent capacity. These cages that these children are in and young people are in, they're basically packed like sardines. They're wearing that tinfoil stuff to stay warm. You know, you can see people, some have masks, some don't. We're being told we have to socially distance, but I guess if you come to America and just get into one of these rooms, somehow you don't have to social distance. Half the time you don't have to wear a mask. They're probably giving you them better food than we're getting in half of the public schools here. Well, AOC, who really is the clown of all politicians. I mean, the, the thing that you need to understand about AOC is she, first off, she's an actress, basically. She's an actress and somebody's just pulling her strings. I don't think she actually believes, well, maybe she believes what she's saying, I don't wanna impugn her motives in that way, but I think she's just sort of handed information and then she can just regurgitate it well. And I think they've really trained her on how to speak and when to move her arms and when to look away from the camera and all of these things and, and watch for those when we show you this clip in just a second. Um, but I tweeted this out this morning and, and just put this in the back of your head as you're watching the clip. At any point in anything you're gonna see right now as she's talking about the border crisis, do you think there's any concern for anyone that is an American now? Is there any concern for the Constitution of the United States or for any of the legal citizens or the people who have come here legally over the years? Or is she up to something else that seems deeply anti-American? So just kind of put that in the back of your head and let's listen to AOC. Are you for real? Well, let's talk about this because so much of our national conversation, which is not a conversation uh, about immigration, is driven by people who could not care less about immigrants. Often people wanna say, why are you talking about the border crisis? Or why are you talking about it in this way? Well, we're talking about it. They just don't like how we're talking about it because it's not a border crisis. It's an imperialism crisis. It's a climate crisis. It's a trade crisis. And also, it's a carceral crisis because as I have already said, even during this term and this president, our immigration system is based and designed on our carceral system. God, she is just awful. Just the way she speaks and it's not this. Like it's just over emotive theater with her. It's not a border crisis, it's an imperialism crisis. Really, every country has a right to defend its borders as it sees fit. Now, the reason she thinks that, she, that we don't have that right is because she doesn't believe we should have that right, because she does not believe that America is a fundamentally good or just place. I don't think I'm really giving much poetic license when I'm saying that. That seems fairly obvious. Do any progressives seem like they would stand up for anything that would be thought of as American, say 10 years ago, something that 90% of us all would have stood for. Who does she seem to care more about? The people that are here legally or the people that are trying to come in? That's not to say we shouldn't let anyone in. We are a nation of immigrants, but it's an imperialism crisis. It's a climate crisis. Of course, the same woman who told us that the earth is gonna end in 12 years and unless we pass her Green New Deal, girl who's never accomplished anything other than being a bartender, and I have no problem with bartending. I bartended when I was doing stand-up back in the day. Uh, it's like, oh, if we just pass your trillion dollar made up operation that you put on a lot of paper, then you'll save the, the world. Yeah, and it's a trade crisis. Anyway, they are, they are using overly emotive, ridiculous language and a, and a character actor basically to trick young people. And we gotta, I, I don't know what it is exactly that those of us who care about this country, 
Um, and by the way, she says this thing about, we, we don't have a conversation about immigration. I see conservatives and right-leaning people having conversations all the time. What, show me someone. I mean, there's virtually nobody that says we should have no immigration. There's virtually nobody. There's a, always an honest, uh, somewhat honest, maybe not through all the politicians, but there's always an interesting debate happening about what do you do with the roughly 12 million people who are here illegally already? Do you give them a pathway to citizenship? Do you put them at the back of the line? Do you have to deport some of them? What if some of them had kids here? And then th those are anchor babies. I mean, there's so many things to talk about, so many things that we could honestly discuss, like just right this moment, I'm trying to bring up some of the important things. We also have a pandemic. Are we making sure that these people that we're keeping in cages right now, that are packed like sardines on top of each other, that they're not gonna suddenly burst forth into Texas, and then the rates are gonna go crazy, which by the way, and I don't mean this to be hyperbolic, AOC would love that. AOC would absolutely love if they let everybody out in Texas and then Texas had a massive outbreak of COVID. Of course she would love that because politically it would be the greatest thing for her. Oh, see, Texas opened up. Texas opened up. Racist Texas opened up. It's racist for some reason. I'm not sure. I'm sure Abbott's racist. It's gotta, he's gotta be racist. He doesn't agree with AOC. And now the, the numbers are spiking. We're gonna get in a little bit to why the, that's actually not the case. Anyway, look, has she said a word about the, the kids in cages in, in any other portion of that video? Not that I saw. Remember, remember, we played it yesterday and we've played it before when, when Trump had kids in cages, which was less kids than they've got right now because there actually is a crisis right now and we know. I mean, there's so many videos of it, but the media just doesn't touch them and you can only see them on Instagram and freaking Pinterest. Is Pinterest still a thing? What was Pinterest? I don't even know what Pinterest was. It seems like something, but I'm pretty sure Trump shouldn't be allowed on it. Uh, but the point is, uh, she really cared when it was Trump. Now that it's Biden, uh, not less. And uh, uh, I don't like AOC, can you tell? All right. Uh, the media and Biden lied about Texas. Yeah, let's just do this story right now. Uh, so the COVID numbers from Texas, which opened up about 18 days ago, have precipitously dropped since then. So I mentioned uh, there's a guy by the name of Drew Holden on Twitter and he grabbed, this is, this is you know, Twitter's a basically a, a cesspool and a nightmare of evil and no one really should be on there. You should join us though at rubenreport.locals.com. A lot of good people, no bots, no trolls, and we're actually having real conversations. However, every now and again, a, a gem comes through on Twitter and I thought that this Twitter thread by Drew was an interesting one because we know that the numbers are dropping, right? We just know it and, and I would, don't take my word for it and don't even Google it. Do you know somebody in Texas? Give them a call, they're not dead. Everybody's okay. It's getting better and they're letting the economy work again. They're letting people live their lives again. They're letting people be free again. Let, I, I hate the phrase letting people be free. People are free and it's the government that gets in our way on the freedom. Anyway, Drew put together this spectacular thread of headlines that uh, Twitter people put out or people put out on Twitter. Some of them are not just Twitter people. So let, let's take a look. Uh, I'll just read a couple of them. I'm not gonna read all of them because there's just a ton there. Uh, but first off, these uh, these two that you're seeing here, MSNBC and CNN, uh, they're talking about how when, when it happened, meaning a few days after uh, Texas opened up, uh, Joe Biden, he called it Neanderthal thinking after the CDC warned against complacency in the face of emergency Corona variants on Monday. And Biden, we also played the video, please, please put your mask on. 
do it for me, old Joe, I could die at any moment. Uh, Gavin Newsom, my governor in this ridiculous state of California, he called it absolutely reckless when Texas lifted its mask mandate. Again, the numbers have dropped since then. You're an idiot, Gavin. Then there's Beto O'Rourke, who's done nothing other than become a media superstar while running a failed senatorial and presidential campaign. He called it a death warrant for Texans. I mean, this guy is an absolute clown who should be ignored at the highest possible level. Um, Abbott is killing the people of Texas. That's what he says in a tweet right there. Uh, CNN again, former representative Beto O'Rourke says Texas Governor Abbott moved move to lift the face mask mandate is a death warrant. Okay, so you got that one. And then you see another one from uh, MSNBC there. Uh, Julian Castro said that workers shouldn't be put at risk for Abbott's desperate political games. Okay, thanks, Julian. Um, and he also said, Governor Abbott has ignored public health experts in reopening Texas and ending the mask mandate. For your neighbors, family, friends, please keep wearing a mask and social distancing. Yeah, you were wrong again, Julian. Then there's another one from Nightly News. You see that one. Experts warn, this is NBC, experts warn of a perfect storm as states reopen and COVID variants spread. Yeah, it's not happening. You are trying to keep us all hysterical and afraid of our own shadows and it ain't working anymore. Let's keep going. Uh, CNN, what's behind Texas governor's Neanderthal thinking? What's behind it? He wants people to be able to live their lives. Don't mess with Texas, it's crazy, right? CNN, uh, even as health officials warn not to ease them, Abbott did it, bad man Abbott. Uh, here's another one. I don't know who this woman is, but she's a blue check person. And if you're a blue check person, that means you're an important, vital member of society. The amount of anxiety I'm hearing from folks in Texas is high. One friend told me I'm not going inside stores if masks aren't enforced. I can't comprehend how Abbott approached this with such enthusiasm. It could backfire economically too. My God, a blue check woman has a friend who's upset about something, Jesus Christ. Out front on CNN brought Dr. Jonathan Reiner on. He's a former White House medical advisor. He called. Abbott's decision to lift the mask mandate and allow public businesses to open 100%, a gigantic mistake. We've seen this movie and it doesn't turn out well. Which movie? Okay. Oh, and then I gotta do this one. I gotta, <clears throat> here, you know what? I wanna reset for this one. Do it proper. You know, there's a lot of people out there on the internet that spread nasty rumors, okay? One of the nastiest rumors, one of the most deeply offensive, hurtful rumors is that I, Dave Rubin, R-U-B-I-N, am somehow related to Jennifer Rubin, who is a journalist or columnist or analyst, I believe at the Washington Post, which is a place of journalism or something like that. Well, Jennifer Rubin, who is, she used to be a conservative. Like if you're, she's one of these people, it's like, you know, you know the line, like if you don't, if you're not a liberal in your 20s, you don't have a heart. And if you're not a conservative in your 30s, you don't have a brain. I think that's sort of like the rough estimate, meaning that as you get older, you should become a little more conservative because you wanna conserve some of the things that you now realize are good from the past. So I'm always very leery when people evolve backwards. And we do get some versions of this, Jennifer Rubin, this guy Max Boot, there, there's some guy, people that are seemingly like they get it and then they lose it. I'm not even gonna go into the motives of why it happens. Anyway, I just wanna be very clear that I am in no way related to Jennifer Rubin. If we clip this piece right now, I hope that you will share this on all of your social media channels. I, Dave Rubin, am in no way related 
to Jennifer Rubin. My family does a get together, uh, an extended cousins club kind of thing every year. Uh, she's never been there. Uh, she's never been invited. We are not related and I want nothing to do with her. Her tweet on this, Jennifer Rubin, Texas ranks a miserable 45th in terms of percentage of the population that has been vaccinated. That means many vulnerable people will have to survive a state where masks and other social distancing restrictions are widely ignored. Jennifer, Jennifer, I know we're not related, so maybe I don't have a right to say this to you, but your parents are not happy with you. Nobody's happy with you. I mean, Jesus, fuck. Um, opinion in the Washington Post, which I believe is where Jennifer works. Why are we bailing out Texas's reckless decisions on COVID-19? Washington Post, which is just a crap factory. And then the Daily Show, which nobody watches the Daily Show anymore. Trevor Noah is not, Trevor Noah, I think that's the name. He's not funny. There's nothing interesting. It's like every now and again, I see a clip come across Twitter and it's just awful and depressing and, and harping and all that stuff. Um, and nobody watches it, right? But we're not really allowed to say it, right? We're, we can't really say it. You might be able to figure out why you can't say it and why the show sucks. Uh, even as vaccines roll out, it's important to mask up, keep our distance and not do whatever Texas is doing. Well, sorry, Trevor Noah, the facts, the numbers, we showed them yesterday, uh, prove that Texas is doing just fine. And the point is that even if, even if in a few weeks from now, Texas has a little spike or the numbers go up a little bit, that would not prove anything other than when there are viruses out there, people get sick. But if you think the government should be allowed to keep you in your house forever at this point, a year later, if you think they should be able to dictate every decision that you make and what you wear on your head and how you, close you should get to your family and friends and all of those things, you have a severe psychological problem and we should be maybe funding more mental health, although the idea that the government would fund mental health, I see this around LA a lot. There's a lot of new things like the LA Department of Health wants to help you. Are you upset? Are you depressed? Call them. And it's like, is there one person in all of Los Angeles who called the LA Department of Health and is now mentally healthier? Like that person cannot possibly exist in this cesspool of insanity. First off, everyone here is on prescription drugs anyway. I'm not, but most people are. That's why I talk to you guys, so, you know. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, this story is really interesting. It's gonna go super underreported because it doesn't fit the narrative, but I think there's really something here and it's worth noting. So a white professor is suing a New Jersey college for racial discrimination after finding out that two of his black colleagues earned $45,000 more than him despite sim similar qualifications and experience. So we've got some quotes here from the Daily Mail. This is, this is super interesting. So William Lavelle, he's 66 years old, he filed his lawsuit against Camden College on Friday after reportedly discovering the pay gap under the state's public records law. In his lawsuit, he argues that despite similar qualifications and experience, black professors Melvin Roberts and Lawrence Chapman earn more than him. His salary, Lavelle's, in 2021 is 91,000. Roberts is 137,000 and Chapman's is 142,000. That's a pretty significant difference. Lavelle has taught at the college for 26 years. Roberts has more than 31 years experience there and Chapman has 30 years according to online records. The suit also argues that Lavelle even has more professional degrees in his field of concentration than the other two professors named. He's seeking more than $150,000 in damages according to the lawsuit. So look, 
I'm just reading off what Daily Mail is reporting on this lawsuit. There could be some other things going on there. Like it's very possible a lot of his students don't like him. Maybe he did some other things or got into fights with other people in the department. Like there could be a litany of other reasons that this guy did not get a promotion or that these guys did. That that pay gap there for people with similar qualifications and similar histories seems pretty significant, right? It's, it's basically a third more that they're being that they're being paid. Um, but without getting into all the nitty gritty, and obviously as the lawsuit unfurls, we'll keep talking about it and we'll find out more probably. But the, the specific point on this is that we know that if the script was flipped here, right? So if a black professor wasn't getting, you know, the, the bonuses, if he wasn't moving forward uh, in a way that was commensurate with his white colleagues, we know this would be front page of New York Times, systemic racism, colleges are racist, the president would have to step down, it would end up being like an evergreen uh, situation all over again and the rest of it. So I just thought this was interesting, I'm just sort of putting this one here as a marker of like, I do sense we are gonna see more than this because what is at the end of social justice? Like what is at the end of critical race theory? Well, at the end, is a situation where every single time, if you had two people and they had the exact same qualifications and the exact same resumes and one was white and one was black, you would always choose the black person. And that is discrimination. That is a problem. So the anti-racists, as I always say, are the new racists. So again, that's not to defend every little thing in this lawsuit. We might find out some things. Maybe he's not a great professor, who knows? But I think it's worth mentioning because I also think, and I've said this for a while too, that I think the one thing that potentially can save us from this really horrific onslaught that, that is just happening across the board all over society right now is legal measures. I think that may be the last chance that we've got, that we've got to challenge some of this stuff in court. That, that equity, that, that laws that promote equity are actually anti-constitutional, right? You cannot treat people as groups. You have to treat them as individuals. This is, it's like, in many ways, it's the most fundamental American thing. It's the most, it's most fundamental. Well, Jordan Peterson used to say something like this on tour, actually. He would say that the individual is the most fundamental building block in all of Western thought. It starts there, and they're trying to make it start up there with the collective. It's seriously dangerous stuff. Okay, let's move on. One more, you know, it's another beautiful day here in SoCal, it's probably 78 and sunny. I'm gonna to try to take as many meetings as I can outside today. Uh, so our, our benevolent leaders, Gavin Newsom and the others, Eric Garcetti's our mayor here, they've decided to put us in the orange tier. And yesterday I was drinking a glass of wine sitting outside with Clyde and I got the email. I got the email from the West Hollywood Chamber of Commerce and it said the following. Los Angeles County has met the threshold for the less restrictive orange tier in the state's blueprint for a safer economy. Today, the state released updated numbers. LA County's adjusted case rate dropped from 3.7 new cases per 100,000 people to 3.1 new cases per 100,000 people. A revised Los Angeles County health officer order will go into effect on Monday, April 5th at 12.01 a.m. to reflect newly permitted activities. Okay, all right, so we, things really didn't move that much. You could read it yourself. But now look what they're gonna let us do. This is from ABC7. Malls can open indoors with limited food court capacity. So you can go 
and get a hot dog perhaps, but no, no poke, can't have poke, too many vegetables, can't have poke. Museums, zoos, and aquariums can open indoors at 50% capacity. I've been saying from the beginning, I don't understand how museums, zoos, and aquariums are all in the same category. Even zoos are 90% outdoors and we've had our zoos closed. Like wouldn't zoos, giant outdoor places where people could wander around, wouldn't, have that, wouldn't that have been good to have kept open over the last year? But they can open up indoors at 50% capacity. I don't know what that means for the outdoor capacity. Congratulations, people who believe in God, you old school people. You can now pray again at 50% capacity, because obviously if a church or a synagogue was to have 51% capacity, everybody would be dead. There's no science behind any of this. It's all made up. Movie theaters, I don't know that people go to, are ever gonna go to the movies again. Uh, and by the way, when it comes to movies, you know, one thing I've always been very against, you know, I'm a, I'm a big freedom guy. What do I say? I'm a, I'm a radical freedom extremist. But one thing I've always been completely against, and I'll never waver on this, is remember back in the day when you could go to the movie theater and then suddenly they started allowing us to put our own butter on the popcorn and you could just go up, they'd give you the bucket. You could then go up to the machine and pump that thing. And it, on it, it would say that the chemicals in here cause, cause Alzheimer's, truly, it would say it on there. And they would let you just endlessly pump it. People should not be allowed to pump their own. It should be left to the professionals who are paid minimum wage behind the counter. Anyway, movie theaters can open at 50% capacity or 200 people, whichever is fewer. I mean, again, that makes no sense whatsoever. It should be up to the people who run the movie theater to figure out how it actually works and what they're gonna do and logistically how it makes sense. Hotels can open with modifications, plus their indoor pools can open and fitness centers can open at 25% capacity. Of course, 80% of the people who died of COVID were obese, but we're gonna slightly allow some people maybe to kinda every now and again go to the gym, that's nice. And speaking of gyms, gyms can open indoors at 25% capacity and can open indoor pools. What kind of gym? I want you all to think of your own gym right now. What kind of gym can survive at 25% capacity? They are trying to destroy everything. And, and these, these peons, these people that read this and go, oh my God, I can go to the gym 25% capacity and I can go to the movie theater at 50% maybe then I'll pray. And It's like, no, then they'll just take it away. They're, they're, they're giving you crumbs and then they're gonna take away the crumbs. Don't you get it already? Restaurants can open indoors at 50% capacity. Do you know how hard it is to open a successful restaurant? Something like 90% of restaurants fail within the first year in good times. It is so hard to open a good restaurant. There's so many costs involved and meat and cheese and veggies that don't last forever and the turnover is high and you have to really impress people real quick or they, there's so many options, they won't come back. Well, now they can be open at 50%. Michael, can you go down on that a little bit? Uh, they can open at 50% capacity or at 200 people, whichever is fewer. Again, that's complete, that's complete arbitrary nonsense. It would depend on what the structure of the building looked like and how high the ceiling was and do they have open windows and all of those things. Oh, and I love this one. Wineries, breweries, and distilleries can open indoors at 25% or 100 people, whichever is fewer. I think I've made my point on the whichever is fewer thing. Bars, uh, outdoor only. So you still can't go to a bar. You can't just sit at a bar. And, and why is that dangerous? You know, there used to be a time when people, you might go, oh, you know, I'm gonna go out for a drink. Maybe I'm gonna say hello to a stranger. And you know where you would do that? You would do that at a bar. Okay, did you ever see a show called Cheers with Ted Danson? Great show, long time ago. People used to hang out where everyone knew their name. It was a bar, it was called Cheers. You might have a bar in your hometown. 
the ability for them to take away all of the things that tie us together and just keep us home, keep us online, keep us fat, keep telling us we're racist. Bad combo, people. Uh, so bars are outdoor only. Family rest uh, entertainment centers are open indoors at 25% capacity for naturally distanced activities like bowling and rock climbing. So. I, you can go bowling at 25% capacity. I guess that's not terrible because one of the worst things in life, we've, you know, you wanna talk about true oppression. Everyone's always talking about oppression. When you're about to bowl, you know, you got your arm cocked back, you're about to throw it down the lane and then somebody runs up and they're gonna bowl right at the same time. And, and you gotta have respect. If I'm bowling in my lane, you gotta wait till I throw that ball, then you come in. So 25%, I guess technically you could do it at 50% to get it right that way because then you could just skip every other one. But I would say in this case, in bowling, it's okay. I think you see how stupid this is. Card rooms, because that's an important one that they should be regulating. There's a lot of card rooms all over LA. Open indoors at 25%. Capacity, non-essential offices, encourage telework, but you can reopen in-person workspaces. Professional sports, outdoor stadiums can have audiences of up to 33% capacity. Schools can reopen for in-person instruction after five days out of the purple tier. Theme parks can reopen at 25% capacity, but don't forget we did a story a week or two ago that if you yell while on a roller coaster, they could kick you out of the theme park. I mean, they're gonna have to put snipers. They're gonna have to put snipers at the top of the Jurassic Park log flume. Uh, and then uh, live performances outdoor only at 33% capacity. This is totally unrelated, but once I went to OC to see Journey, Orange County, OC, Orange County, I went to see Journey about uh, 10 years ago. I was with Kelly Carlin, my friend Kelly Carlin, who's been on the show, George Carlin's daughter, great gal, and David, the three of us, and we got busted at an outdoor Journey concert for smoking a joint. I thought you legally had to smoke a joint at an outdoor Journey concert in OC, but we got busted, we got busted. I don't know where, the COVID you know, regulations stand on smoking weed outdoor at a Journey concert. I, I'll have to call my local authorities. Uh, guys, uh, part two of my interview with Janice Dean, which is, she's just spectacular. I, I hope you watch part one already or watched the full at uh, rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, she's just wonderful. She's fighting Andrew Cuomo. And what do I always say? I like people who do, not just talk. And she's actually putting some pretty pretty tragic moments of her life, losing her in-laws during COVID because they were in the, uh, the old age homes uh, when they sent all those people back. Well, she's now fighting Andrew Cuomo tooth and nail. It's a pretty beautiful story and she took some pain and turned it into something good. So part two is up on YouTube right now. Full is up as always ad-free at rubenreport.locals.com. Oh, and on this Friday, uh, we're gonna be doing a panel with Bishop Barron and Rabbi Wolpe. So I thought, you know, because we're, uh, well, Passover was a few days ago. Technically, it's still going, but the Seders were a few days ago. And of course, uh, Easter is this Sunday. I thought it'd be interesting to talk to a bishop and a rabbi. We'll talk about the season, the importance of these stories and the messages and belief and all that good stuff. Uh, so tune in for that. And I think tomorrow we're gonna do a Q&A. Q&A tomorrow, what do you say? All right, Q&A tomorrow. So if you wanna submit questions for the Q&A, I only take questions submitted at rubenreport.locals.com. So you got, about 23 hours to get yours in. All right, guys, have a great day. And uh, if you go bowling, make sure you're at a 25% capacity bowling alley and they're not letting you uh, butter up your own popcorn. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you wanna connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.